go. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's episode nine of season two already of the Wobcast 2.0. The offseason just rolls along, steamrolling uh, the sports calendar. Yeah, we have little things that pop up here and there that we like, like March Madness and the Masters, but it, it's all NFL all the time. NFL continues to dominate the sports landscape and its tentpole, main tentpole event of the offseason, inching closer and closer. That is the NFL draft. And we're going to talk about the draft here on this episode of the Wobcast, but we're going to talk about a couple of other things as well. The main thing we're going to talk about is cornerbacks for the Minnesota Vikings. What worked and what didn't last year and what do we project will happen this year from a personnel and a schematic uh, standpoint for the Minnesota Vikings at cornerback. To do all of that, I'm going to need some help and help is here. And that is my partner. It's Giles. He's here. It's just him and I today. No chase. So we'll try and keep this thing on the rails as we talk corners, NFL draft, and a few other odds and ends with regard to the Vikings and the NFL. Glad you are with us and listening. Giles, glad you're here as well. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Happy Friday. Uh, definitely exciting times. We're one step closer, one inch away from the NFL draft here in 2023. Uh, I'm just I'm just beyond excitement. This is going to be really exciting. Just Good. get back from Florida. I uh, was doing a little reconnaissance uh, in the Florida state about Brian Flores, trying to see what he likes and doesn't like, you know, like to get my hands dirty, uh, get Good. close to the vest there. So excited to see where Brian Flores will head, especially when yeah. you think about the cornerback room. Yeah, I am. I'm excited too, and looking forward to um, to some of what you have to say there with regard to uh, Flores. I know that you're very high on Flores in general, um, so um, I think the cornerback position is one where he can have an extra uh, effective hand in how things go. Uh, I think I think the sort of I don't know if I would say that's his bread and butter, but maybe it is his bread and butter. Um, so. A lot to talk about with that, um, and that is going to be segment one of this episode. But before we get to that, just a few things that uh, we should discuss NFL-wise. Um, the Washington Commanders sold for over six and a half billion with a B dollars, Giles. <laughs> six and it's a half Tuesday. billion. I don't remember what Daniel Snyder bought the team for, but I think it was like. I don't even want to speculate because it might be way off. I thought it was like 800 million or something. I can't remember what he bought that it for. That number sounds right. Yeah. Way less than what he sold it for. I mean, <laughs> the most an American professional sports team has ever been sold for. Um, yep. I think Daniel Snyder owned it for 24 years. He owns it no more. Obviously, a guy who's been on the uh, receiving end of a lot of vitriol of late. I think a very rocky tenure as owner, but that has come to an end. So it's a new era for the commanders, um, but six and a half billion dollars uh, kind of puts a dagger through the idea of you and I ever owning a team together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe next year, I know it's been a good year, so we'll have to see. You know, <laughs> okay. Uh, come Q3, maybe uh, things will shape around, but Honestly, the moment I saw that hit, my mind immediately went to the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're pretty universally considered to be the the most valuable franchise in football. Yeah. And so if the commanders go for eight billion or, you know, I mean, that many billion, uh, what will the Cowboys go for if and when they ever sell? Uh, exactly. My goodness. Everything is just skyrocketing in valuation. 10 plus, I would say 10 plus for sure. Um, because the commanders who formerly, of course, were the Redskins, at a time, the Redskins, I think, would have been upper, upper echelon NFL brands and mm-hmm. um, just sort of panache, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, not anymore for a lot of reasons. 
The yep. Cowboys, however, number one. I mean, with yep. a bullet, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. number one with the bullet. Yep. Uh, so that would be interesting to see if they put a for sale sign up in their yard, what that would command. But my goodness, um, the Jones family would be skipping down the street. Yeah, I would say so. I don't see that happening, though. And I think the NFL <laughs> is better with the Jones family uh, leading the Cowboys. Um, so um, they are a lightning rod like Daniel Snyder was, but for different for different reasons and for healthy reasons. So anyway, yes. um, I have a big one here that I want to get to, but I'll leave that for last. Um, Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. If I said, Giles, in 10 seconds, tell me where they're playing next year and tell me when we will know where they're playing next year, what would you say on Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, he's staying in Baltimore, mostly okay. because he's representing himself, and I don't think that's necessarily a great idea, and I don't think any team is going to make the, the effort to go acquire him for a lot of reasons, considering the cap space uh, and the the trade capital required to make that happen. Um, and the fact that the Baltimore Ravens just got OBJ. So I think yep. he's staying there for Aaron yep. Rodgers, Uh, I do expect him to still go to the jets. I'm expecting that to be a same day, the draft type trade. Um, okay. I imagine they're going to wait to see how the draft board fall or draft board falls yep. to be able to see what type of compensation is required. I think they're got trying it. to give themselves flexibility on both sides. I think you're right about that. I have heard, and we don't know this because we're not privy to the conversations ourselves. So we can only keep our ear to the ground and speculate. I, I am hearing that there is some element of hey, the jets or Packers saying, Hey, the compensation should be on a sliding scale based on how Rogers performs. And if he plays beyond next year or not, hmm. if the jets are saying that if I were the Packers, I would balk at that quite a bit. And I'd say this guy is on the back nine of his career to say the least. He's probably on like hole 16 or 17. <laughs> And we have had to deal, we as the Packers have had to deal with not knowing if he's going to play next year or not mm -hmm. for five years. If you yep. want Aaron Rodgers, that's just something you got to deal with. So, I mean, right. I think I would, I would balk at that, you know, if I'm mm -hmm. Green Bay, I'm like, it, it, the cost is the cost. Now, if you want to throw in, if you win the Super Bowl, you have to pay more or whatever that I can go with. But right. whether or not he retires or plays for you, I, I mean, that's. That's a risk you just have to absorb, I think, with Aaron Rodgers. You know, I so, completely agree. That's just yeah. it comes with the, the entire package deal. Yeah. Um, all right. I looked at. Um, I went. Uh, the wife and I and some friends took a road trip to Diamond Joe's in Iowa. Okay, yeah. and so I took a look down there at the win totals, um, in season-long win totals for some NFL teams. I want to throw four out at you that stood out to me that I have an yeah. opinion on over under. And I want to see yeah. where you and I align and where we do not on this. And we'll do this right. very quickly. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. Their over-under season-long win total for 2023 is seven and a half. Do you have an opinion over or under on that, or do you think it's a good number? That seems honestly like a good number. I think this year it'll be maybe an under um, but I do see them as a team that's starting to round back. I think they're putting in some investments where I think next year they're going to be more or less a contender in that division. I think they're just one more year away, though. Okay. I, um, I, I, don't, I don't think you've said anything that I would strongly disagree with. However, I would play the over on the Falcons. I'm a little bullish on the Falcons, Giles. And okay. let's see if this continues. Like once we get into training yep. camp time, yep. I kind of like what's going on there. Um, the big question with them is Desmond Ritter is their young yeah. quarterback, obviously. Absolutely. So if, if they're right on him, I think this is way over. Oh, if it's agree. middle of the road ish, I think seven and a half is a good number, but you know, they signed Jesse Bates, the safety yep. from the Bengals. 
Um, and there's another addition they made on defense that I really like that I'm losing track of right now. Um, and I think it was a secondary. Oh, no, they traded for Jeff Akuda from the Lions. Oh, yes. Yeah, from the Lions for a fifth-round pick. Um, so I like that. I like their head coach, Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. Cordero Patterson is there. Drake London, the receiver. Kyle Pitts. I don't hate yep. their offensive line. I just I kind of like what's going on there. So I agree. It, yep. And it's a weak division. I think Very they can beat Tampa once, maybe twice. I think they yep. beat Carolina once, maybe twice. And are you same. hating on Adam Thielen right now? What's going on? Here? No, I'm, I'm not. No, come on now. Don't tell Adam I said <laughs> I'm just, that. Yeah. Uh, I like Atlanta. All right. Here's another yeah. one. Houston, five and a half. Oh, uh, to be honest, I'm going to go under. Okay. So you're still down on Houston. I'm sorry. I might be totally way wrong. I know they're trying to do some rebuilding things, but uh, my confidence in them is not strong. Okay. They're going to get either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, right? I think. I think that's who they're going to draft, a quarterback. New head coach, not a great division. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean... I know they got to win to to take over on this and win. They have to win six games. So Correct. that that's the hard part, you know, because yep. they get to five and you haven't gotten there yet. Correct. Um, Which is not I, nothing when you're a bad franchise. Six wins. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's that's, not saying it's great, but it's task. not nothing. Yeah. I don't hate their offensive line in Houston, and I think they're going to get like they're going to have a quarterback that excites you, Stroud or Young, like you. You may not like, you may not evaluate them and love them for your team, but you Mm -hmm. must concede they're getting the first or second quarterback off the board that there is opportunity there at least. That's fair. So that, that one stuck out to me a little bit because it's a pretty low number. All right. Two more San Francisco, 11 and a half. A quick question on that. Is that uh, assuming that? Who is at quarterback? Right. Well, you uh, if you bet it now, it, okay. Whoever is the quarterback, okay. yeah, uh, eleven and a half. Um, so you got to get to twelve. I'm going to say over. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I I'm a huge fan <laughs> of the 49ers. I love Kyle Shanahan. Me too. I, I say that very tentatively. I recognize that's a bit of a hot take. That's a lot of wins. Uh, but I think if you can get if you can get uh, their their main quarterback back, I think you have a shot. If you're playing Darnold, I don't think so. Right. Um, so it, it is kind of a, an assumption that uh, the the party is is under center, but I think over. I I am on the other side of this. I would play the under. Okay. I'm a big Shanahan guy too. I like the okay. guy. I a few episodes ago we talked about an experience or experiences I had with him at the Senior Bowl in 2012. He, yeah. He's a he's a great guy and a, a great coach. And I think the Niners are really good defensively. I think Even they're better tough. now that they signed Hargrave from the Eagles. Yeah, true. And one of my favorite stats last year in the NFL was like 12 weeks in a row, the team that played the Niners lost their next game. Mm-hmm. You know, so I Very love that. Physical. Yeah. They lose D'Amico Ryans. I don't love that. I don't love their quarterback situation. I didn't look at their schedule, but I have a feeling it's tough because they they won their division, so you have a tough schedule. Even if Purdy comes back, I think there's a fair question of, like, was that lightning in a bottle last year for Brock Purdy, or is he legit good? So I am more on the under here, Um, but I see why one would be optimistic about them. I mean, they're a damn good team. 
they got a yeah. great roster, a good defense, good leadership. So, and probably the least uh, decline in terms of people leaving the roster in the NFL. Like they were able yeah. to be, they retained uh, continuous. Yeah, for yeah, sure. 100%. They have a great offensive line, one of the best weapon sets in the NFL, the, yep. probably the best coach in football. Um, you have an amazing defense and you added Javon Hargrave. Um, yeah. I'm expecting them to bounce back. Now, maybe they're at only 10 or 11 wins. I mean, obviously the variance can be a little yep. bit there, but I do expect them to be a good team again. All right. So we're on the opposite sides of San Francisco. Uh, we're yeah. on the opposite sides of Houston and we're kind of both on the fence on, on Atlanta or you're on the yeah. fence, maybe a little yeah. bit, but I'm on the over. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Last one Vikings eight and a half. Um, I'm just thinking about this. Cause I, I'm getting to a place where I think they're going to move on from cousins. So if it's not, cousins, wow. I don't, I don't see them going over. Oh, However, gosh. if they have cousins, I, I will pick over. I totally agree with you on, on if cousins, if not cousins, if, if no cousins, I couldn't possibly play over on this because no. I'm thinking really hard with cousins. And, and the number one reason, Giles, is the schedule. The, the, now, we don't know the order in which they will play their opponents, but we know who they're playing, and it is not easy. No, it's very difficult. It is not an easy an schedule. An extra road game this year. Yeah. I'm over on this with Cousins for sure, though. I got myself you know, thinking about it when we were down there, and I did play it. I actually mm -hmm. played over on this. However, we go. if – yeah, you're right. I'm not to the point where I think they're moving on from Cousins. And you saying that um, – is interesting to me and maybe we'll get into that a little bit in segment two when we're talking about pre-draft press conference with Quezzy and Kevin O'Connell but um I, I don't think it's a bad a scenario number. past you yeah what if Kirk Cousins is at the Niners are oh. they over or under over. 11 and a half <laughs> over 11 and a half yeah. yes that <laughs> uh, I'm I'm selling my under ticket on the Niners and yeah. with the proceeds of that I'm buying uh over um where I'm selling, I'm selling my Vikings over. And with that, I'm buying Niners over. So anyway, extra, uh, extra read all yep, about it. <laughs> yep. So fun to talk about at the end of the day, those over those win totals over unders, they're pretty damn spot on. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. um, they don't build buildings like that for nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, la very last one before we get into Vikings corners. Interest. So you know how last week, Giles, we talked about that weird headline that came out with regard to Jalen Carter, where he's where Drew Rosenhaus is like, we're not visiting any teams that aren't in the top ten. Remember that? I yes. I I thought, I thought that was just such a mm -hmm. weird headline. Um, this is another one that st has struck a chord with me. For like. Okay. A few months, it was C.J. Stroud, number one, for sure, to Carolina. C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, yeah. or to whoever was number one. It's flipped. It's Bryce Young now. Everyone is mocking Bryce Young, number one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what has happened. They've not played any games. They're the same player that they were, you know, three months ago. But now every – there's no one. I don't I, – I can't find a mock draft with Stroud going to the Panthers at one. No. So – I don't know if the secret's out. If some someone said something that everyone picked up on, have you noticed this, or do you have any thoughts on this at all? Um, I do think there is some smokescreen uh, typical to the NFL, but I also think uh, the dynamic of Anthony Richardson plays into this. I saw a big headline oh. this morning. I forget from one of the big ones uh, highlighting that the Panthers are still considering Anthony Richardson for number one. Wow, um, so okay. obviously, that has a ripple effect as well, right? Um, when you think about yes. the players that or the 
the, the team's in position to draft two and then three, um, that can obviously affect the style of quarterback that they want. Right. Um, cause they're different quarterbacks. Both I think yes. are highly regarded, but they are different. So it kind of depends on your, your offensive philosophy and, and how you want to build your team. Um, and then factoring into who is picking number three, is it, is it the Cardinals? Is it, you know, who is it? Um, so I think Anthony Richardson is also affecting that if he goes number one overall. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch this unfold because this very, very often, especially when teams up at the top guys need quarterbacks, very often you, you know what's happening. Mm-hmm. There aren't surprises. Surprises happen when teams up toward the top don't need quarterbacks. I remember when the Texans, it was the year Reggie Bush was coming out. Yeah. Everyone's like Reggie Bush, number one overall pick. It's clear he's the best player in yeah. college football. And then the Texans the night before the draft reached agreement in principle with uh, Mario Williams, the mm-hmm. defensive end. And that was like, whoa, like everyone's like, well, we got to go look and see if we're comfortable with Reggie Bush here because he might be on the board when we pick. Now, he ended up going number two, yeah. um, so it didn't matter. But that's when surprises happen. And, and I think we're going to have some surprises this year, even though all those teams up at the top want quarterbacks. I'm excited to see it's Carolina, Houston, Arizona right now, top three Indies slated to be fourth. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced they're picking fourth. I think if the quarterback Indy likes is not there, I think they're willing to move out and a team like Las Vegas could come up and pick there or Minnesota or someone yeah. who's got a quarterback. They like who's still there. I think they come mm-hmm. up to four and swap mm-hmm. with Indy. Yeah. So. Or if they trade up to three, if the one they do want is there at three, but they think someone else will trade into the third spot and grab them. Sure. And so Arizona is the one that moves back then. You're saying, correct. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Very interesting. Um, and then another interesting thing is who the first defender off the board is. I think that'll be interesting to see because I think Jalen Carter's the best player, but I think some teams yeah. are uncomfortable with him. So then mm-hmm. it would be Will Anderson, I believe, who would be first. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that yeah. unfolds. So. I personally think it will be Will Anderson. I think yeah. he, he'll he be number one overall or yep. the best defensive player. Best defensive player. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, speaking of defense, let's talk Vikings defense, guys. Let's get into cornerback. As we have gone through the roster position by position, uh, we have left cornerbacks for last. They are certainly certainly not least in terms of importance or interest mm-hmm. um, with Vikings fan base. So I think the way we should lay this out is let's talk about the personnel changes. Let's talk mm-hmm. about a schematic change, and then let's talk about the draft. Mm-hmm. I'll begin with personnel changes, which have been um, numerous, I would say, wouldn't a you? A lot. Okay. <laughs> a lot so, of changes in the quarterback room. Patrick Peterson, gone. Cameron Dantzler, gone. Duke Shelley, gone. Chris Boyd, gone. Byron Murphy, signed. Andrew Booth, Caleb Evans, emerging on the mend, on the rise. Yep. Shannon Sullivan, gone. Yes, Shannon Sullivan, gone. Right. Um, So significant changes personnel-wise. From a PFF standpoint, data, snaps, performance rankings, when you look at just the personnel of it, Giles, mm-hmm. do, do you think if you view it through a PFF lens that the changes are positive? Uh, from a PFF lens, no. Um, from a, a schematic uh, standpoint, I think maybe. When you look at PFF, Caleb Evans, he ended the year at a 47.2 grade. He played 160, or 162 snaps. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. ended the year at a 45.3 grade uh, with 105 snaps. So both were 
essentially in the train wreck category. Now, granted, they weren't necessarily used a ton. And in the categories that they weren't or they were used, they were uh, playing through injury. And there's a few different issues that can also affect that grade. Um, but obviously, when you look at it in, on face value from a PFF standpoint, not great. A Caleb Evans was very, very, very good in run defense. He ended the year at a 76 grade in run, um, but had a 40 grade in coverage. Andrew Booth had a 41 grade in coverage. So both were not good. Now, if anyone can save them, it's Brian Flores. I too truly believe that that's not being me being a homer. If you were to interview people from all across the league and identify who is the best teacher from a coverage standpoint, Brian Flores is going to be in the top five conversation. So okay. I'm really excited to see if they can be saved. Uh, but with that being said, they're the only two people on the roster that we uh, have this year that we had last year out of the seven people that we had on the roster last year, only two are back. And both of them were the worst corners that we had. Now, obviously we added uh, Byron Murphy, um, which we can get to in a second, but ultimately that is a, in a difficult spot. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how they'll uh, go attack the cornerback room because if you look at this lens, they had seven cornerbacks on the roster. And right now we only have three. Um, yep. So that means you would need four additional cornerbacks in order to go into this, the, this next year's season with the same number of cornerbacks. Yep. That's a really difficult place to be in. When you think about the absolute need of a team, cornerback has to be at the top of the yep. list. Unfortunately. That's a tough spot to be in general. It's a tough spot to be at this point of the offseason. I mean, yep. meaningful free agent signings are not done, but mm -hmm. I mean you're bargain bin now you're you know you're at the dollar store now right i mean Correct. yeah so it's hard to populate your that position with high quality talent here be, unless you've got a bunch of picks in the top 100 which we're going to get to here in a little bit but before we talk draft and schematic you did touch on one name that we need to dig in a little bit further on and that is byron murphy yep now not every high profile free agent signing is a good free agent signing we will see how this plays out. My early sense, though, is that this is a good one. I, I was very positive on the, mm -hmm. the signing of Byron Murphy. How about you? Um, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, my gut reaction to it is very, very positive. I think situationally, he is a top 10 corner in quite a few different categories. Um, but when you look at it from a measurement standpoint, he does struggle quite a bit. He ended the, the 2022 year, uh, 2022 season with a 66 grade. Now that's not horrible, but it's also not great. Um, so when you think about your, your, uh, your cornerback, uh, he only had a 63 grade in coverage. So I would say he's in a, an okay category. If I'm making a prediction though, with Byron Murphy, I honestly think we're going to play him in the slot. Um, oh. I think, I think he's going to be a, a nickel cornerback and we are going to find outside cornerbacks outside of Byron Murphy. I truly believe that whether that's us drafting someone, or I think there's a chance that a trade could happen. I don't expect us to go into the, the season with him being the best corner. I really don't. Um, when you look at the kind of the recipe book for a Brian Flores defense, I think it requires really aggressive cornerbacks uh, mm -hmm. and really good cornerbacks. Now I believe Andrew Booth jr. Is a, is a boom and bust type cornerback. I think he got burned a lot in this last season, but he is a, a guy that is very aggressive. So I think he fits into the philosophy of what Brian Flores wants to do. So if he's a guy that is fast and he, he just runs at things, but is wrong, he's fast and wrong. Uh, if you can get him into being fast and right, I think you yeah. now have a, an above average cornerback in Andrew Brick Jr. So if they're able to mold him, and that's, uh, that's an if, don't get me wrong, but if, yeah. if we're able to do that, I think you have one of those outside cornerbacks tackled. And if you can have Byron Murphy play the, the nickel, I think you're in a really interesting spot. So 
I am totally fine with Byron Murphy playing a bunch of nickel. I would not be of the, I would not subscribe to the opinion of like, oh, really all that money for a nickel corner? Because I'm like, the Vikings are in the lead a lot mm-hmm. and they're in sub packages more than a lot of teams are. And even if mm-hmm. you're in the lead half the time, you're in sub packages 60, 70% of the game. So mm-hmm. you're going to need three anyway. And a lot of teams, best receiver plays inside or is their slot receiver. Um, so that I, I'd be totally fine with that. Um, yep. the way you just talked about it though, Giles is like, then corners got to be the pick at 23, you know, um, or at least has got to be one of two or three positions. That's going to get picked at 23. If I not- think we're about to enter a season where a lot of things are going to happen because we only have five picks in this year's draft. I'm also of the opinion that they want to, uh, trade up and grab a quarterback. So that's two things that are very difficult to do Man. where you have already little compensation and you want to go spend a lot. And you also have four cornerback spots open on your roster. Right. So I, I do expect them to do a little bit of noise in the, in the, the trade market where I think uh, Dalvin cook, he'll, he'll uh, bring back at least a, a fifth or a sixth round pick. I would imagine yep. um, there's a chance. I think they could trade Daniel Hunter. I know that's been getting a lot more steam as of late. Um, I really think that there's going to be a lot more that happens that either brings a cornerback into the room via trade, or it gives us more trade capital to be able to, uh, to, to draft one and maybe the second or the third round. Interesting. Um, you make a good point, And one I was going to bring up when we discussed the pre-draft press conference, because uh, Quezzy, Quezzy said something interesting about the number of picks that you have in a draft. And yep. so we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, But essentially what we're looking at here then is, you know, as we've talked about this here today, Giles, I'm just envisioning like a construction site with like a whole bunch of like cranes and like there's like cement trucks and like the cornerback position is just under construction. And like, I think there's a couple of like tall buildings and pillars that look really good in there, but around it is like scaffolding and cranes and dirt Mm. and there's no like nice looking grass and you know good shrubbery and like you know it's not shiny buildings and cars driving around it's it's under construction right could not agree more and i think uh, there's a number of different ways that you can go tackle that uh but i definitely think they're gonna have to be very strategic this offseason because um i mean it really centers around the quarterback position and deciding what you want to do with that both for this year and for the the next coming uh era so to speak uh yeah. because your decision there has a ripple effect on how you go build uh, all those shrubs around the skyscrapers yep yep got it let's talk schematics um a little bit and scheme and deployment of corners and how you do it brian flores the uh, the perception is aggressive, lots of blitzing, lots of pressure, high risk, high reward, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. However, I think Brian Flores would like to temper that a little bit and say, hey, I'm not some cavalier wildcat out here who's just throwing caution to the wind and taking chances. Like I have a rhyme and reason and a way that we do things here. So Mm -hmm. the truth, I think is somewhere in the middle of that, but I think the flavor is, is aggression and is getting away from just being resigned as a defense to let the offense set the tone and always Mm -hmm. be responsive to that. 
And I think yep. Flores is like, no, we're, we're going to make them respond to what we're doing from yep. time to time here. Yep. And Zim was like that on third downs. Mm-hmm. Zim was like that on second and long. Zim was like that in the red zone. Zim was like that when they were backed up. Zim was mm-hmm. like that in two minutes. But I think Flores is going to be like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that's a big adjustment. And we talked about this a little bit with the, you know, and the personnel changes, but um, I can't wait to see how this unfolds and to get reports out of practices, to listen to him at press conferences, and then to watch the first few games to see yep. what this looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could not agree more. And I think uh, I absolutely agree with the the aggression point. I think uh, a Brian Flores defense, uh, if you break it down to its core fundamental level, they want to be perceived as a wild card. Like, I don't care what down it is. We might send a corner and blitz you like that is a real threat almost every down. And having that threat causes the the offense to be on their toes, right? Versus like, oh, they're not going to be aggressive until third down. Like you have no idea what's coming. And I think that's the the true intent and objective of Brian Flores uh, defense. Now, that being said, I do believe that the the safety is far more of a, a blitzer in that type of defense than the cornerback. Uh, okay. But with that being said, I think they want to be a wild card type element. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they go tackle that um, because uh, we have some, some pretty big speed on our team if we can leverage it correctly. Now, I don't want to get too recklessly speculative speculative here, but we have, um, I'm going to say a little heavier uh, safety room right now. Uh, when you think about it, when, when you think about some faster linebackers and Brian Asamoa, um, we have a, a little bit of a larger safety room. I'm wondering if they're going to maybe shake things up a little bit and deploy some certain packages where they're going to have a lot of defensive backs, maybe l- less cornerback, but more safety when they blitz a lot, um, yeah. be able to cover the, the backfield. Um Cause as long as we're fast, we can adapt to things if do, if things start to pick up, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see how they'll go tackle this. Interesting point guys. You know, in last, the last episode of the Wobcast 2.0, we did talk about safeties and we mm-hmm. kind of feel like it's a sneaky strength um, mm-hmm. on the roster right now. Right. Um, whereas this is more, I don't think we're ready to call corner a weakness yet. It's more of an unknown. It's more in development. If we have this type of feeling about the position, um, what is it? It's April 14th. If mm-hmm. this is how we feel about it on August 14th, I will call it a weakness. Okay. Um, you know, But right now it's still in development. Safety, I think, is a strength. And it will be interesting to see the relationship between those two positions, how they work together, and how Flores could compensate for opportunity or weakness at, at the quarterback position compensate for that with the play of his safeties. Um, there's definitely a relationship there. Um, all right, let's move on from personnel to scheme to draft. Uh, I think we both feel strongly that in an ideal world, you'd be able to use a top 30, top 40 pick on a corner in this year's Mm -hmm. draft, right? Yep. Uh, I'm not, I don't have a really strong opinion on which corner I think they could target at 23 or at 28 or at 35 or wherever they end up picking. Yep. Um, I, I do think that they have good options though. I completely agree. I think yeah. uh, a couple things can be true. If we, uh, if we speculate that we believe the Vikings are going to trade up, um, I'd be of the mind to go draft uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. I think he's sure. technically ranked 11th on the big board, um, but he is, pretty much everything you could ever want from a, a good cornerback. I mean, he's, he's big, he's fast. He has all the length, like he has the the ball skills. Um, he's, he's a guy that I would be willing to trade up for 
if you do plan on trading up for a cornerback, if you say, yeah. Hey, this is a position of need, we need to trade up. Um, Christian Gonzalez would be the guy to go for it. Um, I think depending on how the draft uh, plays out, I think there's a chance he could fall a little bit further than normal, uh, you know, in other drafts, just because of the the wide receiver and quarterback and edge rusher market. I think there's an interesting possibility he falls into the mid teens when he's really a top 10 pick in my opinion. Uh, but if you're staying put, staying pat at 23, I think there's a chance that you could get Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. Um, technically, I think he's 18th on the big board. Um, but I think once again, as the board falls out, I think there's a chance he could fall down to 23. And he's another guy that I think, you know, is he's big, he's six foot two, 198 pounds. Uh, he's a very aggressive guy. So when you think about a good scheme fit or personality fit, I think Joey Porter Jr. really fits that. Um, if you do trade back, for example, if you're like wanting to pick up a second round pick, but still draft in the first round, that's where maybe Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state is a guy that you want to go after. I think he's technically 31st on the big board. Uh, but he's another guy that I think fits into uh, a lot of what we want to tr- want to do. He's not a, a top 10 corner. So I think there's definitely some development that needs to happen there. He's yeah. a little bit on the lighter side from a weight standpoint. So I think his notch against him is a little small, um, yeah. but once again, cornerback is a, is a point of need, uh, you know, if you don't plan on addressing it any other way. Yep. So Giles and really for, I think this started changing a little bit when Zimmer was hired, but Mm -hmm. for a long time with Brad Childress into Leslie Frazier, the defensive style and scheme the Vikings played was primarily cover two and a lot of Tampa two, but definitely cover two. And they wanted thick, broad, tall corners who are physical because a big part of that scheme is rerouting receivers at the line Mm -hmm. and you're playing zone and letting them go, but you want to be able to reroute them at the line. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times whenever we were talking about corner as a priority free agent signing or as a top 50 pick draft pick, if you weren't six, one or six, two, I mean, you're basically out. You weren't under consideration. That has changed now. And mm-hmm. it's, it's still great if you can get a guy that big, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's, I think it's more about movement and athleticism and um, all of that. And so I think it opens up the possibilities of who you can draft as a corner if you're the Vikings. So um, it's just a change in the way I look at drafts. I mean, because honestly, working for the team, I, I didn't have to give as much credence to the players at different positions that didn't fit the mold. Like I knew what exactly what they wanted out of certain positions. And if you didn't have some of the main characteristics, you were basically out when it came to a high pick. Um, And so it's not that way anymore. So the world is much more open now at corner. And um, I really think they should take one with one of their first couple picks. Yep. And in fact, I think they're going to need to, unless they plan on addressing it via trade or picking up, picking up any other person yeah. on free agency, because uh, they have four empty spots in the roster. So um, you, you got to fill it somehow. I wonder if they were involved in the Jalen Ramsey trade talks at all at any point, you know? Um, I definitely think they would have inquired. I mean, because uh, I think Quezzy is one of those guys, but I think in terms of the trade capital required to get it, his cap hit. And his age, more importantly, I would have guessed that they would have been uh, like the rich. price is right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, too rich. Yeah. Love the idea. We definitely need to fit it in, but I think they would have preferred to go another route, which yeah. obviously they're going down that path. Yep. Um, all right. In the interest of, of time spent here, I'm ready to move on to reacting to what was said at the pre-draft press conference, but I want to make sure we've dotted all of our I's and crossed all our T's at corner. Um, anything left in your notebook that we want to hit on here before we move? 
unless we draft Anthony Richardson at three, we uh-huh. draft Zay Flowers at 23. I really think we're going to get Emmanuel Forbes at 31. I really yeah. think they're going to trade out if they can't get Zay Flowers at our current pick or they can trade up and get a, grab a quarterback. We'll see. I might be way off and proven wrong, but that's my position now. I think in terms of roster building, you know, the way we talk about the draft all the time, Giles, I think is the way teams talk about it, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. It's very easy to look at the draft the wrong way, get caught up in the moment and be like, how oh, we're only supposed to win seven games next year. How can we get that nine? Who should we draft to get us to nine, nine wins? Mm-hmm. That is not how you look at the draft. You are planting seeds and you are building rosters for this year, next year, and the year after. Mm-hmm. In, in viewing it through that prism, I am f- totally fine with the receiver at 23 or the corner at 31. I think that's really, ex- that, that's really sound drafting if that's the way they go however if cousins is not the quarterback guiles i don't know if i really love receiver at 23 i at that point i'm more resigned to be like geez the offense is kind of a work in progress here let's let's shore up the defense because if we have a quarterback who's a work in progress and a defense that gives up a lot of big plays in the passing game i mean that's a nightmare i i agree you know i think yeah the I mean, the only argument to still take a wide receiver if Cousins isn't your quarterback is that you want to build the best infrastructure around that quarterback. And if you feel like you can systematize the offense I, to produce success, but otherwise I would agree I, the defense yeah. has a few holes that you need. To I do out. agree. I know what you're saying there, Giles, but, but they have Hawkinson and Jefferson, you know? Yeah. So I'm kind of like, like if you want to tell me halfway through the year or at the end of the year, Hey, and you know, our young quarterback, it was his first year, you know, we got to surround him with more weapons. I'd be like, well, you, you have Hawkinson and Jefferson. I mean, I would put it in the same category as the Niners trading for uh, Christian McCaffrey, looking for yet another weapon that can be a dual threat. And I, I only say that with the lens of Zay Flowers, who is more of a, I guess, more Debo Samuel than Christian McCaffrey, but someone that can be a dual threat to be that third weapon that like, not only do I have to account for both Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson, but now I have this Debo Samuel like player on the field, you can't account for all three, which gives your quarterback three phenomenal options. Yeah. So that would be my only thought, but I, I agree. Uh, yeah. Defense is probably the route they're going. Yeah. All righty. Um, I, I listened to the press conference um, that the Vikings held, which every team does pre-draft press conference. Um, yeah. Nothing really big stood out to me. I, just two small things. Mm-hmm. The first was about seven minutes into it. They were asked, hey, basically, are you going to address the quarterback position in the draft? And Quezzy gave a really good noncommittal answer. But what he said, so noncommittal answer does not always mean it was a, a BS answer and the wrong answer. He said, it's the most important position in the game. We're always looking at it. And we're looking at it from a long-term perspective. You know, and it's like, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. And we talked about this, Giles, the last two episodes. It's like, you're probably going to have to draft a quarterback, if not this year, for sure next year. And more likely, more it's more likely than not that you're going to have cousins on the roster when you do this, and you're going to have to have a difficult conversation with them. Like, you're our guy. We love you, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we, we got to think about down the road. And mm-hmm. you've immediately damaged, you know, you're immediately suboptimal in your relationship with cousins. But it's basically unavoidable. I don't, yeah. you know. 
I mean, unless you're willing to put yourself in a position where you move on from him and then run the risk of trying to draft one without having one, I think that's a really dangerous precedent. Me too. I do. I, I think that too. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is something that you touched on already, Giles, and that is the fact that the Vikings right now are slated to have um, not very many picks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, every GM wants lots of picks, but Rick Spielman really wanted lots of picks. And I think Quezzy does too. Do you yeah. think he does? Yeah, yeah. I, think I think he's he a volume too. guy. Yeah, me too. And so yeah. you're totally right that the Vikings are going to be a team where at the end of the draft, you're like, hey, let's look at the trade tracker. You're going to see a lot of Norsemans on the screen. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah I, absolutely. And I don't know if it's up first and then back a whole bunch of times or if it's back, 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 and then you come up in the later rounds, you come up, you t- turn sevens and sixes into fives. I yeah. don't know how it's going to go. They're not going to end the draft with just five picks. I know that. So especially when you pair that with the idea that they have the least amount of cap space in the NFL right now. So especially when you think about uh, uh, spending uh, resources on players in a non-draft format, you don't have much money to play with unless you restructure somebody else. Yep. So I, I don't get a sense that you have a steadfast opinion yet that this is what they are doing in the first round. I, I, I think you can see a couple of different avenues they go. Am I right? Yes. Yep. I, I think there's a few different angles. I do see them in a stronger position now more than ever to draft a quarterback. But I mean, that is still speculation. That's me reading between the tea leaves here. Um, I think uh, based on what they've done with Cousins contract is by far and away the most revealing to me. It shows me that they are prepared to move on from him, but still want a fallback option if things fall through. Um, but they've they've reconstructed that contract in a way that makes it clear that they're going after a quarterback, whether it's this year or next year. How could you get a quarterback in this draft without trading cousins to acquire the pick that it would take to get that quarterback? Can that happen? You'd have to really love Will Levis, wouldn't you? How else that could you or get? you you do trade up to three or you trade up to four if you think, uh, think that the Colts will trade but, out of that? Yeah, but wouldn't you have to include cousins in that deal? Uh, you wouldn't have to, I mean, you'd have to still keep his cap hit, but I think you'd have to trade this year's first. Yeah. I mean, uh, 23 swap. Yep. Yep. Uh, next year's first, Okay. probably the year after first and a player, if you're moving up to the three position, which more than likely is a Daniel Hunter type, maybe, maybe you could squeeze Dalvin cook in there. Honestly, if I prefer it, I'd prefer to trade Dalvin cook in that and keep Daniel Hunter. Uh, but I think you'd have to leverage something like that to be able to make that happen which is a lot. Don't get me wrong. You'd have to love the player you're going up for, but I really think that they're putting themselves into a position to move on from cousins, but they haven't moved on from cousins because they want to have a fallback. I think, I mean, there's never really been a three-way trade from what I can remember. Correct me if I'm wrong to be able to do a three-way trade with the Niners, but I think that is by far and away the easiest place to send him. The only other route would be just letting him play out his contract and letting him hit free agency next off season. I cannot wait to see how it unfolds. There's yeah. <laughs> a lot of different ways it could go. I think the stalemate with the Vikings and cousins has to do with guaranteed money in the next contract. And how much do you want to guarantee a 35 year old quarterback? Yes. He's durable. Yes. He's productive, but he's 35. And how much do you want to guarantee a guy at that stage of his career? Very interesting. Would love to be a fly on the wall, you know, in those rooms where they're talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. The Vikings path, definitely undefined. It is not obvious. And that that's going to be what makes it fun in the build lead up to the draft. And then on, on draft day. So unfortunately um, that's going to be the end of this episode of the Wobcast 2.0, but fortunately another episode of the Wobcast 2.0 is forthcoming very soon. We'll be back in a few days. 
We have not talked about specialists, Giles. We're going to talk about specialists in the next episode of the Wobcast, both the ones the Vikings have and the ones they lost, but also some that uh, they could acquire here before the 2023 regular season begins. So we'll hit on that, and then it will be very draft heavy in the next episode of the Wobcast. So we thank you for listening to this one. Uh, We hope you listen to the next one to catch former and future Wobcasts. Make sure you subscribe and like us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as YouTube. Come find us on social media as well. We love interacting with all of you there. You can find me on Twitter at Wobby. Enjoy the weekend, everyone, and then come back early next week as we talk more Vikings position-by-position analysis. We hit on the specialists, and we talk more NFL draft. On behalf of Giles and Chase, this is Wabi signing off for now. Skull Vikings.